Hi, I'm Zakia Elias, and this is Representation Matters, a conversation around equality, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace podcast series by The Equal Group, bringing you stories, insights, and learnings around optimizing equality, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace. In this episode of Representation Matters, I'm joined by Sharon MacArthur, who is the founder of Miss Menopause, which works with employers to support anyone who's going through menopause. From group awareness training to HR-specific sessions, Sharon helps both public and private organisations become better employers by educating workplaces to be menopause-inclusive. In today's episode, Sharon discusses the story behind this menopause, the impact of menopause and how to manage it, as well as the reasons why menopause needs to urgently become part of workplace wellbeing agendas. So let's take a listen to the conversation, which began with me asking a bit about Sharon's background and her career journey so far. Over to you, Sharon. Well, I'm as surprised as anybody that I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, so as, as I said, I was an angry menopausal woman who at the time didn't know I was menopausal. Um, and when somebody dared to say to me, Sharon, could you be menopausal? Because I was having all these weird and wonderful symptoms, um, exhaustion, um, anxiety that had a, what I could only describe as an episode um, like it lasted a week of what I could call agoraphobia where I was almost terrified to leave the house now if anybody knows me they know that I'm not a shy and retiring person they would know that that was pretty unusual um, and working for myself at the time I had to cancel all of my clients and it was really terrifying and at no point did I ever associate what was happening to me with this life event known as menopause so when somebody said it could be menopause and I was kind of outraged initially and then I thought "Mm, well maybe it's worth considering Um, I began to realize that I was in early stages of menopause which at the time again I hadn't heard of the terminology which was perimenopause no one was talking about that at all now I previously to setting up Miss Menopause in my original business which is um, a leadership coaching business called Red Handbag I'd been a senior leader in a FTSE 100 company for over 14 years now, I thought I was pretty smart. I thought I was streetwise. And I thought I knew a lot of things about a lot of things. But how had nobody told me about this thing called menopause, where 100% of reproducing females are going to go through this life event, whether they like it or not? So you absolutely don't have a choice. And what I find really interesting, certainly since I set up Miss Menopause, the landscape around mental health and well-being has grown enormously, quite rightly so. But what my message is, You hope and you wish, certainly I do, that the smallest percentage of any population would suffer from, let's call it, mental ill health. Menopause, you don't have a choice. You don't don't have a choice. So what I say is, my belief is, everybody will be touched by menopause in some way. So whether that's directly or indirectly. Mm -hmm. And so some of the most profound feedback I've had over the years has been from men um, who, by their own admission, would have said, I didn't think I really wanted to learn about that show and that wasn't really high up on my agenda but without question when they've given me that feedback I've said learning about this life event they can see how we can really really help them and I've had some individuals tell me learning about this stuff potentially could help save their marriage. What I'm saying is from a, a business point of view so whilst I never expected to be doing what I'm doing I was really like saying angry menopausal woman mm-hmm. who couldn't really find any information at the time was astonished that menopause was going to happen to everybody. Um, I hadn't really, I, I kind of intellectually knew about menopause. I'd heard of the word and the yeah. end of the ability. And I suppose the other thing, I was a Kira, I hadn't had children. 
So I guess in my utter ignorance, I probably believed I would reflect back because I hadn't shaken up my hormones right. through, menop- through, through pregnancy, sorry. I probably believed whatever that menopause thing was, it wasn't going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. That was going to be, you know, it, was, it would happen to other people. And so what I, what I say about the menopause is it got so bad for me. I say the menopause could have killed me um, because I fell asleep at the wheel of my car when I was driving at speed because I was so exhausted. So I had weird and wonderful symptoms of menopause, like like most women will encounter um, symptoms of menopause. And it's estimated up to 80% of women when asked will say, yeah, menopause is affecting the quality of my life. And then you get a further one in four if they're asked saying, it sent the quality of my life through the floor. So I was, what I, what I say, I belong to the 80% club. So I was having like exhaustion, like I say, an episode of not leaving the house through being like severely anxious. Um, I was having PMT times a million. So mm. that's what I mean by that is watching an advert for like cat food on the television, then bursting into tears. Oh, that's so sad. Um, and then within 60 seconds, I could have felt like I could have easily murdered the nearest human. But in all seriousness, imagine if that's feeling if that's how you're feeling in the workplace, because this is a time in, in a woman's life where not you know month to month or you know week to week, but sometimes hour by hour or minute by minute, you don't know what your mind and body might do next. Yeah. So imagine you know if you're trying to present you know to a client or maybe you're doing you're you're running the payroll. You know this this is going to affect everybody in some way. Um, and the other thing is, um, and that's why I, you know, I love doing what I'm doing, and I do a lot more work now with um, male-dominated industries, which you might consider things like manufacturing. Because let's be fair, most people still identify in the UK as male and female. And from a male's perspective, if you've got a male-dominated environment, particularly through things like manufacturing, if those individuals are living in very close quarters with menopausal women, you know, wives, partners, girlfriends, then imagine sleep deprivation, you know, not getting on at home because there's a lot of mood swings going on through menopause, perhaps. So you've got men who are maybe coming in to operate machinery and heavy equipment. So what I'm saying to all organisations out there, it's really, really important that you don't think, oh, well, that's not, that's not happening where I am. Because everybody, whether they like it or not, will, will be impacted by menopause, as I say, either directly or indirectly so that's why I'm passionate about the work that I do it's about it's totally inclusive because everybody needs to come along and what I say is learning about menopause absolutely can't harm you in any any way but it could really really help you definitely and I really appreciate that you shared some of your own personal experiences to Sharon um, and you brought up such a great number of points um, I'll admit that actually I actually wasn't even aware that there were something such as premenopausal symptoms um, and, and between you and I you know how we call it we say mother nature I decided mm-hmm. it's mother nature because I can't <laughs> believe it's a woman that's doing that this was- do you know what I mean so the point is a lot of people and that's this is exactly what I thought I thought menopause was going to be like a linear process yeah that it would have stages and steps and it would go along this linear process and then fertility would end and you would live happily ever after like Mm -hmm. a Disney movie it's not like that at all it's not like that at all so many many women me included can encounter symptoms of menopause often months and years before they notice a change in their periods so how on earth are you supposed to know that what could be happening to your mind and body here could be menopause related through the power of your shifting and declining hormones Nobody's told us those things. Exactly, no. 
so it isn't a linear process and it can go on as i say i say all of the, i say this all of the time menopause truly is in my opinion the gift that keeps on giving if you choose to let it so my message to individuals and their organizations is let's not choose to let it because menopause symptoms can go on and on and on and on and i've met women in their 60s 70s 90s who will still say they are being impacted by the decline and loss of those hormones that ultimately ends their fertility. So we've got, and again, because we've got these terms, we've got perimenopause, when menopause begins, and ultimately at some point an individual will notice a change mm-hmm. in their periods. You can only say you're menopausal when you haven't had a period for 12 consecutive calendar months. And then the day after you're postmenopausal. So only as a key, I, I wish it was, I wish menopause only lasted a day because effectively <laughs> the term menopause only truly lasts for a day. Right. Day after you're postmenopausal. Yeah, yeah. Now, a lot of people like me, in my utter ignorance, I was super excited when I realized I was going to be postmenopausal. I was like, woohoo, get the fire. <laughs> this is amazing what a day this is going to be. And then I realized all it means is you are no longer having periods. All of the symptoms that you could have can go on and on and on. Like I say, I've met women up to the age of 90 who are still describing symptoms of the loss of those hormones. Because let's be honest, hormones have declined so much. They're so powerful. And when they've declined so much, it ends a woman's fertility. So is it any wonder that because they're not coming back, so unless you're an individual elects for things like hormone replacement therapy, which will never give you back the full complement that you have because it's not, a, it's not about starting your fertility again, is it any wonder that's affecting women mentally and physically you know, years often after their, their periods have ended, their fertility's ended? So again, there's this, this huge level of ignorance about what we think menopause is because nobody's told us. And that literally leads on to what I want to ask you next, which is about the misconceptions. So like Mm. I just said, some of them being, you know, it happens for like a certain age, a certain time, generally the older women bracket, that's what people think. And like I said, a linear process. But I was wondering, are there any other misconceptions that you've heard that you want to address? Um, Well, I think I think a lot of people would think, oh, menopause, because there's a a statistical average age of 51, which is banded around. Mm -hmm. You'll read about it throughout the UK, throughout North America, throughout a lot of um, Europe, for example. Now, I personally think that's an old statistic because the majority of women that I have met, including myself, I also do a lot of continued professional development. So whilst I'm not medically trained, I do a lot of research and, and, and watch and listen and, and, and learn from a lot of top gynecologists. And the last one I heard only a couple of weeks ago agrees with me and said, although the statistical age is 51, this particular individual gynecologist believes that for her, menopausal symptoms will often start up to 10 years earlier than that. Yeah. So that would put women well into their early 40s. Yeah. So we've got to get away this horrendous phrase that is out there where you'll hear women use it and they'll say, women of a certain age. Now, uh, that makes my hair stand on him, but not in a good way. So what we've got to get away from this idea that menopause only happens to women in their 50s. When they're older, most women are going to begin to encounter menopause in their 40s at some point. And we've also got to get our heads around the idea of early menopause, where women often, because of chemical and medical reasons, can be induced into menopause literally overnight literally overnight so you know you might have friends family members colleagues who are not only worried and anxious about the treatments they're about to encounter whether that's sadly cancer treatments and things like hysterectomies 
But for some of those individuals, they're going to wake up literally overnight where the hormones have fallen off a cliff. So they're in full scale menopause within 24 hours. So they haven't had months or years to get used to the idea, but it literally happens overnight. So and statistically, it's estimated up to one in 100 could encounter early menopause, often because of those reasons, through chemical and medical reasons, albeit there'll be an amount of individuals who have an early natural menopause. So like I say, we've got to get away from this idea that menopause only happens to women over there much older. You know, and again, you know, from a woman's health point of view, polycystic polycystic ovaries, you know, endometriosis, there's all of these things you know, that are wrapped around women's health. It isn't just to do with menopause, but I think we've just got to have a much more holistic view on women's health. And, all, you know, I'm all for in- inclusivity um, and equality, mm-hmm. but we have to be honest and say, biologically, we are different. So we, ha- we have to accept that we're, we, we, we are biologically different. And, and whilst women absolutely don't want a pity party, the misconception is, I think, that because we are, you know, especially those born female, that we just know probably things like pregnancy, that we just know all about this stuff, that yeah. we know about menopause, that we just because we're, you know, we're female, we know this stuff. Organisations out there need to understand we don't know this stuff. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Nobody's told us this stuff at all. So don't be under the impression that, you know, the individuals in your workforce all are clued up on this information. We don't have a clue. And that's why Miss Menopause exists as an entity, because currently what I describe is a massive void of lack of information on this subject. Mm-hmm. So I describe Miss Menopause as the corporate girl chat, but for everybody. Um, so, you know, many I, I often ask this this session, uh, this question on sessions that I run, and it's did anybody have the girl chat at school? Now, it's a postcode lottery, so some will have had it. And invariably, many won't have had it. And I always say to any men in the room, probably the day you came in for double maths was the day that the girl chat was taking place. Because yeah. that's what happened in my yeah. school. Boys were sent out, 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 out to play football. Yeah. And then I was told, you know, as a 10 or 11 year old, I was going to bleed every month for 30 plus years, which was pretty terrifying, let me tell you. Um, and then I was shown a horrible contraption called a Dr. White's belt. Now, you probably don't have a clue what I'm talking about. No. As you <laughs> but think hammock, think something a Victorian woman might have okay, been right. told to wear. Yeah. Utterly horrifying. Oh um, but the point that I want to make is at least somebody had taken the time and trouble to tell me about the changes to my young female body. Yeah. And the biggest stressor I had at the time was, what would I wear to the school disco? And would I get my French homework done on time? That was about it. You know, but now in the 21st century, quite rightly so, because of, you know, well-being initiatives, gender pay gap, pension pay gap, AD&I initiatives, women are being encouraged, quite rightly so, to take on more responsibility, more accountability. And because, of this, you know, we've had recent changes to our pensionable ages, all of us are having to work longer in history than ever before. So let me tell you, for somebody, I'm 54 next month. I can hardly believe it. But what, what I was told until fairly recently that I would be able to get my hands on what we still refer to today as a state pension. <laughs> now, in 2010, the government reviewed everybody's pensionable age. So what that means for somebody my age of nearly 54, my pensionable age is, not, is now 67. 67. So for somebody like you, a much younger person, goodness knows where the pensionable age is going to end up. But there was talk pre-pandemic that they were going to review it again. And it was talked mm-hmm. about 70, 75. It's wow. only going to go one yeah. way. 
So for the first time in history, we've got the fastest growing demographic is estimated to be women 50 plus in the workplace. If you were to hear and believe the news that we heard, uh, we told last week about apparently in the UK now, there are more vacancies than humans. Wow. Okay. So who can ill afford to lose any single member of staff in their organisation? And, and, and this is a business issue, let's be honest, because yeah. what's happening is women are waking up one day feeling a bit meh, feeling like I can't remember things, I can't do that, I'm feeling anxious, I'm not sleeping very well. And the saddest things that women say to me on a daily basis is they thought they had early onset Alzheimer's. That is really, mm. really, really common. So what's happening is because of ignorance, because nobody's told us this stuff, women are putting two and two together and coming up with 46, telling themselves, you might have heard colleagues, friends or family members say things like, I've lost my confidence. I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And they are leaving. And I would say it's usually individuals who've been employed in their organisations for more than um, 12 months. Because more than 12 months, you've usually passed a probationary period, yeah. you're in the flow and a stride of work. But usually within less than six months of feeling like that, like I say, women have put two and two together, come up with 46, told themselves, I can't do this anymore. It must be because I'm older, I want mm-hmm. to do this. And they're leaving out of ignorance. So who can ill afford to lose all that talent, all that expertise from their workplace because of ignorance about this subject, which will in fact impact, I say, 100% of people out there, whether that's directly or indirectly. Because what I say about women is, sadly, we're insidious. We're everywhere. There's literally no escape. Um, And if you believe the statistics that are out there at the moment, moment, certainly in the UK, it's estimated women are making up 50.6% of the population. Mm -hmm. So what can I say? Well, we're either going to be friends, family members, colleagues of yours. We may live in very close quarters with with what will become or is already a menopausal woman. Um, So, for example, we know that younger people are living longer at home these days or they've had to return because of COVID or, you know, all of these nasty price increases that we're hearing. You know, and one of the best stories that I had was from an individual who I met about three years ago. And it was a younger woman. She'd come along to one of my sessions and she went, she was very, very quiet. Um, until in the end, she kind of said, she went, you know what? I think my mom could be going through the menopause. And I was like, all right, OK. She went, well, I left home this morning. She threw a butter dish at my head. Now, oh, that is not a classic <laughs> symptom of menopause that I'm aware of, by the yeah. way. I take your point. I take your point. But to cut a long story short, she said they just weren't getting on. She loved her mother dearly. She loved her mum, but they weren't getting on and she couldn't understand why. So she was able to take away a lot of this information to share it with her mother, who in the end decided to go down what I call the medical route and go and see a GP, ended up on hormone replacement therapy, and it transformed their relationship. Wow. So my message is everybody should be invited to learn about this this subject matter because it could never ever harm anyone but it could absolutely help everybody so imagine being that employer who becomes an employer of choice because that individual who might you might have deemed well they're only in their 20s why would they or that individual themselves might have thought well why do I need to know about that well because it can really help you with your colleagues could help you like say friends and family members it can absolutely not harm a single individual in my opinion to learn about this stuff but it could really, really help everyone. And, you know, my mission would be that this stuff was just taught in schools from a very young age. So it becomes part of everyday language, part of the fabric 
of what we talk about because it is part of everyday mm -hmm. life. Yeah. It just has been hiding in plain sight for far too long. And I would estimate that less than 10% of organisations right now in the UK are doing anything really about menopause. I was just about to say, actually, that I came across the figure too, and it really stood out to me, especially when you then contrast it with, you know, the population of women working in the UK too. We are where we are, and it's 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 chipping away. And so you can imagine, four, you know, four and a half, nearly five years ago, yeah. you'll be able to talk to me. There's been a lot more stuff in the media. There's some big names getting behind this. A lot of people will report people like Davina, which is great. Yeah. But we've got to get our heads around you know, if you think about it, in most organisations, when asked, they would say, what are you doing about mental health and well-being? Most would say, well, we're doing all of this, we're doing all of that, we've got plans to do even more. And I rock up and say, menopause? And a lot of them look at me like, well, what do you mean? My message is 100%, I'll say that again, 100% versus hopefully the smallest percent. Yeah. If, if you put mental health on its own in a ring with menopause, menopause will be a full knockout. Yeah, I definitely agree. And the thing is, it was actually Mental Health Awareness Week back in May. And I attended quite a few online events and webinars. And I'd say that probably one out of, you know, five or six, you know, events that I attended, did they talk about menopause or even touch upon menopause? Besides that, it was completely brushed over. It's not in there. It's never been in there for five, six years. It's one of the things that, sent me in a, as a catalyst to set up my service so the number one symptom reports to me is anxiety so if the number one symptoms report is anxiety and you haven't got me menopause in any of your mental health and well-being plans you have a huge hole in your plans so we've got to stop putting these this stuff in silos and little boxes mm -hmm. we need to have a much more holistic approach to this so I suppose I'm a little bit controversial as well to say that Yes, whilst I would never say to an organisation, don't have a policy around menopause. What I much prefer to encourage organisations to do is to say, what would stop you having, um, uh, uh, looking at your current processes, but through a menopause lens? Because is the danger, if we try and legislate for every single thing, is there a danger that if in this more equal world that I could don't, if you write a menopause policy specifically, and I'm not saying don't do that, there's some great ones out there if people want to research them. Um, is there not a danger that you end up painting yourself into a corner by trying to legislate for everything? Yeah. So what's to stop me in six months time saying, um, hey, Sharon, where's the policy on diabetes? Yeah. Or where's the policy on cancer? Because am I now less important than this. And what I say about menopause, it, in my opinion, this topic is not more or less important than any other well-being, any other AD&I topic you have going on in your workplace. What is different, however, is the scale of it. The scale of it is different. So if you now understand the subject matter better, what's to stop you looking, reviewing your current processes, but now seeing the world differently, but through a menopause lens? So an example I would give, so I do a lot of work in manufacturing, which historically is male-dominated, mm -hmm. isn't it, to be honest. So it might have never crossed an organisation's mind, you know, until, until fairly recently, because equality wasn't really very high on the agenda anyway, let's be honest. So it might be that organisations got a drive to have um, a, a more diverse workforce, and they're looking to include more females into that workforce, quite rightly so. So it might be historically... 
a lot of um, uniforms often you know crop up in manufacturing workplaces. You know, it's the right yeah. thing to do. So what I'm saying is, an example would be in the next uniform review that you might have. It might be next year. It might be two or three years time. Because you're seeing the world through what I'm calling a menopause lens. It might mean that when you review that next uniform review, you're thinking about the design of the uniforms and maybe the fabrics of the uniforms that you have. And at that point, it will be, yes, we've considered those previously and there's no work to do because we'd already thought of that before. Yeah. Or it might be, we'd never thought of that. So not, I think, it, yeah, we absolutely do mm -hmm. need to do those things. So I'm talking about no cost, low cost. Things like recording absence and sickness. Now, I had a conversation with, it was a woman actually, nearly five years ago, who said, we don't have any problems with menopause around here. I went, really? She went, nobody's ever told me that anyone's ever been off sick because of menopause. And I said, well, I'm just going to say, probably in your recording processes, whatever system you use, whether that's manual or a system, I imagine you will not, no one will have thought that menopause could be a reason for absence. And she absolutely argued with me, let me tell you. Now, I'm not often wrong, but I said, look, let's just, why don't you go and check? Because I'm, I, I don't believe that that will exist. And that's why you're not hearing about this stuff. Anyway, like I say, I'm not often wrong, but who was right? Well, of course, <laughs> there was no, no one had thought about it. Yeah, yeah. So best practice could be, because although menopause doesn't have its own protected characteristic, but under, you know, the protected characteristics of age, sex and disability, yeah. then under those umbrella headings, it could sit under those, those umbrella headings. And I don't, I've never met a woman yet who wants to be classed as disabled going through the menopause. But best practice might be in your organisation, if you start record absence via menopause and you keep that separately, like you maybe would for anyone who was classed with a disability, that could be seen as best practice. And it, and it doesn't cost you anything. Exactly. Yeah. My message is this stuff is all, and, and most of my clients say, but Sharon, this is really simple stuff. And I say, because it is. Yeah. So I, and I think, sadly, I think, I feel like there's a lot of fear perhaps being injected into this space where individual organisations have to do like major events mm -hmm. and grand plans. Right. I think, the, I think the biggest thing that I'd want to, 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 to push organisations to consider is, is once you've started something, this doesn't just apply to menopause, make sure there's a maintenance plan. Yes. Because having come from a FTSE 100 organisation who were very, very good at doing great things, but after maybe 12 to 18 months to two years, it had disappeared in favour of another thing. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying organisations is you've got to have the, the commitment that once you've started the thing, that it becomes business as usual in your organisation. So it can't just be an event that happens for maybe 12 or 24 yeah. months that you really need to build into your plans a maintenance programme. So anybody who joins your organisation in 2024 gets exactly the same experience of anyone who joined, who was there in 2022. And a lot of organisations don't have it, they haven't thought it through to, to build it into the legacy of it exists forevermore around here. Yeah. And that's, my, that's my mission. I want organisations to make this business as usual. So anybody who joins in 2024 knows they work in a menopause diverse environment that when they, you know, when they want to talk about that stuff, it's just what we do around here. Yeah, yeah. It's not, you know, you know, people aren't turning heads, no one's shocked to you. Know, yeah. yeah, well, they're not whispering around corners or thinking, yeah. you know, I'm going to be judged about this. But another, another message from me is as well when I'm working with organisations, I'm very, very clear that this, 
work should be a 50-50 partnership. So my belief is, is whilst I always believe that, whilst a line manager, um, I believe line managers aren't paid to have all the answers. That's one of my beliefs. But I do believe line managers are paid to listen, paid to listen. And what's, what's unique about menopause, each and every person out there will have a menopause like themselves. It will be unique to them, <laughs> and them and them alone. So I'd be similar, but it will be unique. So if you were my line manager, I would, I would hope that we could have this open, honest adult conversation where you would hear my story, which again, will be, remember, will be unique to me, that during the course of that story that we agree together, there could be an opportunity for what I'm going to describe as small, reasonable adjustments. Remember, yes. low yeah. cost, low cost. And if I can go back to disclosure of pregnancy, Every organization out there will have a beautiful process and policy around the disclosure of pregnancy. I know that is the case. So let's just imagine you didn't feel particularly confident about the subject. What I'm saying to line managers and leaders out there, we're not starting from scratch. So imagine if someone disclosed a pregnancy, I imagine that individual, if they're on site, might get a car parking space near the yeah. office, a workstation assessment, a desk fan, access to water, time off for appointments, all of these things can be applied suitably back to this, this, this information about menopause. We're not starting from zero here. And yeah. I just want everyone out there to be aware of that. But during the course of that conversation, if you were line my, like my line manager, I would expect you to ask me this question. And the question would be, but hey, Sharon, what do you intend to do about that? Because I'm all about a 50-50 partnership and absolute accountability on both parts. So what I say is, you know, if I'm not going to join in, so you as my line manager could be offering me the most beautiful, small, reasonable adjustments. And obviously, as, a, as an employer, you have a duty of care. Absolutely. But if I personally, if me and myself, I'm not going to join in, it's never going to work. Anywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. never going to work. So, you know, I don't believe that anybody out there is employed to work 24-7, seven days a week. So menopause, let me tell you, as an individual, will be with you 24-7. It yeah. won't just begin and end as you walk through the office door, you switch your laptop on. So it's absolutely in each individual's best interests to join in and manage their health and well-being, because otherwise it's never going to work so it has to be a partnership yeah. where everybody's invited to learn about this stuff um and it becomes business as usual and that organization's building a process where once they've started the thing it's not an event that happened in 2022 or 2023 it's something that you have an intention and a commitment to just make business as usual from that point onwards Sharon, I have to tell you that I honestly appreciate you sharing all of this knowledge and information with us all. Because like you said, I think people tend to overthink it and believe that it requires a whole change of systems and processes. But honestly, it is these small adjustments that make the biggest difference. Um, and, you know, I was going to ask you next what top three things you think employers should be doing to help support anyone going through menopause at work. But you've just given us a, you know, a whole list of things. So thank you for those examples. And I'm sure listeners will really appreciate it, too. Well, even simple things, for example, we know and this is a horrible thing. We know about period poverty and, and, and yeah. people are getting poorer by the minute at the, you know, at right now, aren't they? So, for example, I've worked with organisations who done really simple things. And OK, there's a small cost associated with this. But let's just imagine you're an organisation um, and I was working with an organisation where they had several sites in and around Leeds, actually. 
Um, so it wasn't the it wasn't the line managers who were fired up to do this because after the sessions it was some of their their non-managers who yeah. were so fired up that they wanted to help make this business as usual. They asked if they could go um, and do a review of of the bathrooms. So they went and did this review of all their bathrooms on all the different sites, and they found some with vending machines and some with nothing. So straight away, there was a disparity there. Yeah. And sadly, what you tend to find, those who've been in, in bathrooms with vending machines, if somebody is having a heavy period, often what's vended are neither use nor ornament. You know, they're like pre-pubescent <laughs> yeah. girls, really. So they were able to go around and to cost out what they thought to get a selection of products in every bathroom, you know, in covered boxes, what that would cost and then the cost obviously you can't just think it's a one-off event you have to think yeah. it through and think well if we're going to do that it has to be costed forever more and it was you know it was it was maybe 40 pounds a month or something it wasn't a lot of money um and it was transformational so in terms of the feedback in terms of employee engagement individuals were totally overwhelmed because they could see it was congruent with what the business had said and then what mm -hmm. the business had done and this wasn't just going to solve the problem of menopausal issues where women are having erratic periods that can yes. be really, really heavy for example unexpectedly so period poverty is a thing as well so you know imagine being that employer of choice just again having thought now through a menopause lens having thought I'd never thought of that before what difference it could make to you as an employer yeah, of choice. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, and I'm all about simplicity. So I really want to get away from this idea that maybe some of your listeners have that, oh my goodness, we don't want to go there because mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. cost, it's, the, the cost is really around education. It's about letting people understand at a very high level and then holding them to account to go away and make those things happen, whether that's yeah. them as line managers or them as individuals. But let's be honest, my belief in the world is 99.999% of people in the world, I believe, are good, good people. So, so let's treat them as adults and as, that, yeah. and as those good people that they are. You know, let's give them the right information and let them, let them go and, you know, do what they need to do. And most, and what I say is most non-managers, especially those identifying as females, if you give them that information, invariably they'll go and self-manage because that's what most people do. So you don't have an employer to think we have to do everything for our people. I must, and I do percolate the message, you also have to get your people to help themselves because yeah, if they don't join in, it is never going to work. Exactly. You know, what a great final message. I think that's a, a wonderful way to kind of end the podcast uh, with an impact. So thank you so much, Sharon, for sharing all your knowledge and experiences with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking. You know, I've learned quite a lot and I'm sure a lot of listeners have too. Um, and I do wish you all the best for the future. So once again, thank you so much for taking the time out today. No problem. Well, I hope you can get some stuff from that. Thanks so much for listening today. Wherever you're tuning in from, we'd love to hear from you. What were your learnings from today's conversation? Is there anything you'd like to add? Let us know using the hashtag TEGpodcast on Twitter, or you can reach out to us anytime via contact at theequalgroup.com. And in the meantime, head on over to our website, theequalgroup.com, for more insights and articles around equality, diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Why not join our mailing list to be the first to get updates on all the latest EDI news as well as our free monthly EDI training webinars. And finally, to stay tuned for more podcast interviews coming up soon, make sure you are following us at The Equal Group on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. 
that's it for today's episode. Until next time, everyone.